Good morning, everybody. Our passage today is Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. Listen now to the reading of God's word. You shall not steal. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we come before you this morning so thankful for your word, so thankful for your law. God, um, we pray that now as we uh, dive into your word, that you would convict our hearts, but that you would bring encouragement through the gospel. God, we pray that hearts would be changed, God, and that um, your name would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. As you may have noticed, our meditation for worship today comes from a missionary named Jim Elliott. Uh, It reads, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Elliott wrote these words right after graduating from uh, Wheaton College and uh, right before he left on his missionary journey. Not seven years later, Elliot was killed by those who he was going to share the gospel with. Now, this quote tells us a lot about Elliot's heart and uh, the things that he valued. But it poses a question for us What can we keep in this life? What should we value? Was Elliot a fool? Did he value the wrong things? Logically, we shouldn't, logically, shouldn't we value the things we can keep more than the things that we can lose? So what is it? What can we keep and what should we value? We're going to seek to answer that question this morning by looking at the eighth commandment. Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, we just read it. And uh, just like all the other commandments to this point, There are things that the Lord prohibits and there are things that the Lord requires. And we're going to dive into those this morning. But before we do that, we need to uh, look at an idea that God is teaching us through this commandment without ever speaking it in this specific passage. You see, God is telling us that humans can and should own property. He is affirming that private property is good. Um, That people have the inherent right to earn personal property that no one else can claim as their own. Now, for many of you, you may say, well, of course, that's a no-brainer. And uh, thankfully, in this country, that's the way, uh, something that it was founded on, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Or as John Locke said, life, liberty, and the pursuit of property. But unfortunately, not everyone in the world would agree with that sentiment. In the United States, we have the freedom to buy and sell as we please. But in other parts of the world, specifically the former Soviet Union, this was not the case. In, in this former Soviet Union, uh, private property was severely limited, almost to the point of being illegal. Because of this worldview, uh, the Communist Party believed that private property actually brought about evil. And, and, but our God, in his infinite wisdom, has seen fit to teach us that that is not the case. That owning property is good. 
It is part of our command to be fruitful, to multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. Owning property is a part of that. And um, it does not necessarily produce evil, as this communist ideology would lead us to believe. Uh, We are commanded to live lives where we have, we're not commanded to live lives where we have no material possessions or a life that we live in a commune or a life even seeking poverty. No, the Lord actually enjoys blessing his people, as we will see throughout today. Um, There is no guarantee in the Christian life that we will be given material wealth, but it is not a sin to have it. See, the thing we must keep in mind, whether we are poor or rich, is that the material possessions, they do not satisfy us. They cannot satisfy us. And no matter how much or how little we have, they cannot satisfy. Whether you are trying to live your best life now on a yacht or clear all the clutter, neither of these approaches will leave you satisfied. True satisfaction cannot be bought or taken. It can only be given. But what is it, and how do we find it? To discover this, we're going to start with what is prohibited in the Eighth Commandment. Like I said, we're going to talk about what is prohibited and what is required. So what is prohibited in the Eighth Commandment? Well, the answer seems pretty simple, right? Stealing, right? You shall not steal. But that answer brings up another question. What does it mean to steal? You know, the simple answer that Jerry and I try to teach Elise is that stealing is taking something that is not yours, right? If you take someone's car, their laptop, a phone, purse, shoes, hat, clothes, even down to a child's toy, something that is not yours that you take is stealing. And since we've established already, right, that owning things for human beings is good, but any and all of these things can be stolen. Now, is stealing possessions the only thing that this command prohibits? Until this week, I probably would have limited it there myself. But God's word and his commands are much richer and deeper than that. You see, not only can we take things from others, but we can actually be guilty of withholding things that are due to others. And this is another form of stealing. See, one example that will probably hit close to home for many of us is our tendency to do all we can to avoid paying taxes. Now, this is not just a current day situation. It's not just a present struggle, right? Thankfully, Jesus actually addresses this for us in Matthew chapter 22, verse 17 through 22. Um, And I won't read the whole passage, but essentially the Pharisees are bringing this question up to him. Uh, They're asking him, uh, is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And in Jesus's response, he takes the coin and he looks at it and he says, you know, whose countenance is on this? And the people tell him, oh, it's Caesar. It's Caesar's face on there. And he says, therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And this teaching, he is teaching us that our government and all governments have the right to assess taxes on their citizens. Now, we as the citizens, thankfully, specifically in this country, we have uh, the right to argue whether taxes are too high or unjust or whatnot. But unless a court of law rules one way or the other, uh, we do not have the right to simply declare a tax unjust and not pay it. 
And well, you may say uh, another uh, another caveat there. Well, what about all the sinful things the government does with our money, right? I, I can't pay taxes to a sinful, unrighteous government. And I would say that's a valid uh, question. That's a valid reason. But my answer would again go back to uh, to Christ and His response. Was the Roman government a righteous government? No, not at all. They were guilty of many sins using the taxpayers' dollars, um, but Jesus still demanded that they pay taxes to their government. Therefore, if we do not pay our taxes or we are illegally withholding more than we should, we are breaking the law of God as well as the law of man, stealing from both the government and sinning for the Lord. Now, another example of withholding what is due can be found in James chapter 5, verse 4. In this passage, James says, The wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And what James is, is saying here is he's pointing out that when we do not take care of those who work for us, uh, we are condemned of stealing from them. You see, this is not reserved either for just the business owner who has people working for him full-time. No, this is for anyone, all of us, who pay people to work for us in whatever capacity that might be. We are called as Christians to pay those who labor for us their due, and not simply because they got the job done out of obligation, but out of a heart of generosity. So, so far, we've explored two ways in which things can be stolen, both through the taking of possessions and through the withholding of something due. But is it only intangible, or is it only tangible things that can be stolen? No. In fact, we can be guilty of stealing things that are intangible, right? Things that we can't actually grab a hold of. For example, we can actually be guilty of stealing from the poor through oppression, See, by denying the dignity of the poor and the minorities, we actively attempt to steal from them their God-given value, their God-given dignity uh, as human beings. While while this is a a global struggle, right here in Charlottesville, Alabama, in the South, um, this sin is present as well. In the American South, slavery followed by Jim Crow laws and other racist ideologies were ways that white Americans actively attempted to steal dignity from black Americans. Thankfully, many of these laws have been abolished. However, cultural perceptions are still present. And we must continue to strive to love all people equally, to fight for justice. But this is not just a race issue either. This oppression extends to all races, all peoples, no matter what our socioeconomic class is. All humans were made in the image of God and given value. And uh, we cannot allow ourselves to show partiality, stealing, attempting to steal dignity from another human being. Whether we grew up in a trailer or a mansion, we all have the same God-given value, and we cannot show partiality. It is, if, it is, in effect, attempting to steal dignity from another person. And uh, before we move on, I wanted to um, 
make a few quick points of application for this because this specific topic can be very intimidating. I know in my own life, I've struggled to know what to do. And there are three things that I wanted to, to point out. First of all, we can be generous with our time and our resources. Um, sometimes people need help. In whatever capacity of life they're in, they, they need help. And we need to be willing to help them however we can. Now, this extends first and foremost to our church body, right? Those within our family, we are called to help them and love them. But it also is extended out to the broader community, uh, those outside of our family. And I will say to you, Christ Church, be encouraged in this point. I have been extremely encouraged by the amazing support that you have shown us in the, the, the children that we have been connected with through foster care and how you've cared for them and their families. So thank you. The second point, uh, we must stand up for a just legal system. As I mentioned earlier, in the American South, there have been a number of situations where people have been, um, there, there has been a number of court cases in which those who were poor or minorities uh, have not had a fair trial because of the color of their skin or because of the amount of money or lack thereof in their bank account. And we must not allow this to happen. We must fight for a just legal system. And finally, we can encourage the family unit. unit. Uh, you see, the destruction of the traditional family unit has led to poverty and uh, tremendous oppression. And we must encourage the family unit in all aspects of life. Uh, and while these points of application won't solve the problems, they can help us to think about standing up against oppression from a biblical worldview. Now, coming back to our passage, we have talked about a few things in which we, a few ways in which we steal real things, right? We take, but we also withhold what is due. But can we only be guilty of stealing from people? No. As Michael mentioned earlier in our confession and assurance, uh, we can actually be guilty of stealing from God himself. And there are a few ways in which we do this. One of the ways is uh, actually through our failure to properly tithe. In uh, Malachi 3, 7 through 12, the Lord commands the people to bring in the full tithe. If they fail to do so, there will be curses. But the Lord also points out that bringing the full tithe into the storehouse is actually a way that the people can actively trust him. So if we look to the passage here, he says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. God sees our failure to properly tithe as robbery. But at the same time, he asks us to bring in the full tithe, and he sees that as an act of trust. Trust that he will provide for our every need. Secondly, another way that we steal from God is that we can actually rob him by becoming unfaithful stewards of the resources that God has given us. 
In Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30, we see an example of this in the parable of the talents. You see, in the parable of the talents, there are three men, and they're each given a specific number of talents by their master. The first is giving five, the second is given two, and the third is given one. And the first two, the one who's given five and the one who's given two, they go out and they invest their talents, and they make more. They double their, their money. The third one decides that the best thing to do is to dig a hole and hide his talent in the ground. And when the master returns, he's joyful for the one who made, for both of them who made double their money, the, the man with the five talents and the man with the two talents. But when it comes to the third man, the man says, I knew you to be a harsh man, and he gives him back the one talent. But the master is upset because the man did nothing with the talent. He was not a good steward of the resources that the Lord gave him, and he is punished. See, God expects us to steward what he has given us wisely. As we said before, material possessions are not bad in themselves. But God expects if he gives us material possessions to use them wisely and to use them generously. Finally, we rob God of his glory when we sin. You see, this has been the case since the fall. But when we become unsatisfied in God and begin chasing after other things for satisfaction, we are attempting to rob God of the glory due his name by assigning glory to other things. God, all glory is due to him. And when we try to take that from him, we are robbing him. And in this way, all sin is in a way breaking the eighth commandment. Now, like me, you may be saying at this point, that's enough. I am feeling the burden of this, right? I feel the conviction here, and I have failed all of this. But not only does God prohibit certain things out of this commandment, but he requires things. And we're just going to talk about one specific point. Uh, one of the things that God requires is a strong work ethic. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, Paul says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. You see, the Bible teaches us that God's desire for us is actually that we should work hard to make an honest living, which is exactly the opposite of stealing, right? Um, but it is good for us to work hard. But that hard work should not be fueled by a desire simply to make more and more and more money for ourselves. No, in this passage, it gives us the picture that our motivation behind hard work, it actually comes from a heart of generosity. See, as it says in Ephesians 4.28, he says, let him labor so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The goal of the hard work, the strong work ethic, is so that we might be generous. So that out of a heart of generosity, we might love our neighbor and share with those uh, who we come in contact with. So, many of you have been blessed tremendously in this way. Um, and for most of you, it has come as a result of your hard work over many years. And as I've said, that is great. That is a really good thing. 
but when we are blessed by the Lord in this way, we must ask ourselves the question, why have I been blessed in this way? Why has the Lord grown my business? Why has the Lord given me this house or this gift of this specific knowledge? In Genesis, God answers this question when he speaks to Abraham. He says, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Again, God has blessed many of us so that we may be generous and a blessing to others, so that we might show God's love to the world. This will look different for all of us, but none of us are exempt. We must all take what the Lord has given us and be generous with it. Giving of our goods, our resources, and our lives out of love to meet the needs of others. This is what a life lived in accord with the Eighth Commandment looks like. It is a life marked by generosity and justice. Generosity to the needy and justice to the oppressed. Friends, this leads us to the answer, the question that we stated in the beginning. What can we keep? And what should we value? Friends, nothing that can be stolen can be kept. And what do we just talk about that we could steal? Everything. Our house, our cars, our money, even our own lives. As we see, the only thing we can keep in this life is Christ. As we see in Romans 8, neither death nor life, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, the only thing that is safe in this life is Christ. He is and always should be our ultimate possession. And it is out of a heart satisfied in Christ that we can actually live a life of generosity to the needy and justice to the oppressed. Now, maybe you're like me, and even hearing this, the prohibitions and the requirements, and now this call to live generously, even the call to treasure Christ above all else. And you think, I will never measure up. I can't even measure up to that. I, I, can't, I can never not be greedy with my time or money. I have a hard time going into work and working hard all day. I struggle to love my poor neighbor. I even struggle to treasure Christ. I will never measure up to this commandment. Friend, you and I, we cannot measure up to this commandment. That is why it was given to us by God. To point us to the one who did. To point us to the one who always gave what he had. To the one who was never greedy. To the one who worked hard every day for the glory of his father, Jesus Christ. He is the one who measures up. He is the one who would take our place on a criminal's cross. He perfectly obeyed this commandment and all the others. See, Jesus died the death you and I deserve for breaking the eighth commandment and all of the other laws of God. How do we know that his death was for you and me? How do we know that he died for wretched sinners like us? Listen to the words of our Lord to the thief on the cross 
as they were both being crucified. Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. My friends, Jesus died for thieves. He died for lawbreakers like you and me. And he has done all the work to secure our place in glory with him. He has made it possible for our record to be wiped clean and for us to receive his perfect record of righteousness, which contains a heart of generosity. Call upon the name of Jesus today and receive this sweet forgiveness. If you have never put your faith in Jesus and been forgiven, he's calling you. If you have already known the Lord, but you feel like you are failing to love your neighbor well, be encouraged. The Lord delights in you, not because of how well you love your neighbor or how generous you are with your money, but because you are his child. Return to him and find rest. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you sent your son to die for us. God, we thank you so much that you uh, sent your son to die for thieves. God, we thank you for your law, that it points out our sin. God, and we pray that we would be encouraged in the midst of the conviction. In Jesus' name, amen.